0: It's not easy,
1: right, to tell people like I don't know, I'm scared. It almost sounds like you're weak. But I actually feel that if you assemble the right team, when you are sort of weak in front of them and being honest with them, then more people want to help you. In fact, that is the irony, right? The more you say you don't know, I can't do this, the more people will come in and say, let me do this.
0: Welcome to Brave. Learn from Southeast Asia's best tech leaders. Build the future. Learn from our past and stay human in between. No BS on success. I'm Jeremy Al, Venture Capitalist, Serial Founder, Harvard MBA, Sci-Fi nerd, and Dad of Two Daughters. Mondays for your weekly tech news debate with Shuiyen Ko, managing partner of Hustle Fund. Wednesdays for interviews of regional change makers covering both the highs and lows of leadership. Fridays for for personal diary insights and listener questions and answers. Join our movement of over 12,000 members for transcripts, analysis, and community at www.bravesea.com. Do you manage your own IT for distributed teams in Asia? You know how painful it is. Es helps your in-house team by taking tough tasks off their hands and giving them the tools to manage IT effectively. Get help across eight countries in Asia Pacific, which includes onboarding, procurement, device management, real-time IT support, offboarding, and more. Gain full control of all your IT infrastructure in one place with our state-of-the-art platform. Check out dot com and get a demo today. Use our referral code BRAVE for three months free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Ethan. Excited to have you on the show. You're a founder looking to make things better for job seekers everywhere in Southeast Asia. So excited to have you on the show. Could you introduce yourself real quick?
1: Sure, thanks for having me. I'm Ethan, co-founder of Noflare. What we do is that we are a career transparency platform And we offer payslip verified salary data to tech talents all across Asia. We make money by recruiting for tech companies. And today in Singapore, one in four tech talents actually use NoteFlat to make better career decisions.
0: Amazing. So how did you decide to be a founder in the first place?
1: So I think it's always in me. To be honest, when my first company actually failed like terribly, I think it took me like three to four months before I just like call it quits, right? That was sometime in 2017 where I paused school. Have you heard of like NLC, like NUS overseas colleges? Yeah. I was supposed to go to the Valley, but nobody wanted to hire me. Everyone of my batchmates actually went over, except for me, right? Which is very sad. So I took kind of, kind of a leave of absence from school, tried to do like random things like, like learning how to code and things like that. And then I co-founded a company with my friend, right? Which in three to four months we realized, okay, it's not gonna work out. And then we just shut it. And it was always in me, right, the itch. And then I joined ShopBack. Then that was where I realized, oh, okay, execution is everything. I joined ShopBack when it was like pre-Series A, when it was like less than 80 people. And now there are like thousands of people there, right? But I was part of the team that helped them with recruiting, launching teams in Taiwan and Vietnam. So day in day out, I was talking to engineers, right? And I realized it's not just ShopBack that's facing the same problem, right? So that was where I just like started in 2018, one year on, yeah.
0: So five years building NoFlare for career transparency. So what was it like building it initially? How did you come up with the idea?
1: Hmm. So actually, interestingly, we only chanced upon the, the idea of career transparency only very, I wouldn't say very recently, but in the past one or two years, right? So when we first started, it was purely like, okay, you know what? We just want to help companies recruit. But we were like young and naive, right? We were like, oh, we thought that we could solve this space, this recruiting problem, right? So we just went straight into it without doing any kind of market research. We don't even know the space that well, right? But I think we were very blessed because when we first started, it was like a recruiting company. It was pure recruiting, like an SME, even though we had dreams to make it like a tech company. I mean, more into that later. But yeah, when we first started recruiting, help companies, and we made some money and we just survived, right? It was until like post-COVID, not really post-COVID, but like sometime in 2021, when we were talking to candidates, we realized, hey, actually, everyone is like complaining. They don't even know what's the salary band. HRs are like red opaque about it. don't want to tell them. They were like, why not just use Glassdoor, right? And, and find out the information. But they were like, oh, it's not accurate and things like that. So we kind of spotted a bit of opportunity there. And we decided to be like, okay, how can we make a more verified version of Glassdoor? So we created Noflare.com, right? We relaunched the site. And then it was like a hit, l- so at that time, we just like realized that that's what really people wanted. We we're solving not just a salary transparency problem, but just career transparency as a whole, right? And, and that appealed to a lot of talents. So we just double down on that, yeah.
0: I mean, Glassdoor has been fun, right? So sometimes, you know, when I evaluate a new job or even, you know, evaluating a friend's company, you type it in and then Glassdoor often is one of the top few hits, right? Because it's like always like what? two unhappy reviews and five very positive reviews. And you're like, hmm, a bit fishy here. <laughs> you know? So what's right with Glassdoor? Why, why, what went wrong as well, from your perspective, to say, like, hey, we're better than Glassdoor?
1: Mm. Quick, quick point right? on like when you Google and then Glassdoor appears on the top. Actually, if you type like Carousel software engineer salary or something, company software engineer salary, actually, Noflare ranks higher than Glassdoor for most of the keywords. In fact, we have been tracking like number of keyword searches that we rank first. It's actually growing really quickly. So I think our SEO has been. We have been investing a lot in SEO and we are trying to make ourselves rank at the top lot, right? Because we know we have the most reliable data when it comes to, say, Singapore, right? To your question, what went wrong with Glassdoor? That was a question, right? I can't say that there's something wrong with Glassdoor, to be honest. I think there is still a lot of users who use Glassdoor. In fact, a lot of users use Glassdoor and NoteFlare, right? Like concurrently, there's no like one place that they check. They check multiple places. But I think one of the key things is that their reviews are very strong, right? Everyone goes there for reviews. There's a lot of emotion. Sometimes it it becomes almost like a gossip place, right? But when it comes to salary, realize that the band just doesn't... It's not accurate. Like we have real numbers and when we compare it, it seems to be very off. So we have some hypotheses and some theories, right? But if you go to Glassdoor today, the first page you are greeted with is actually to sign up or to add some information. You can't even read anything. It proves to be a very painful feature gate for many users. And the normal reaction is, how can I get out of that feature gate? And actually, you can put any data in and you can get by. You can actually access the site. But what you'll realize is that one or two days later, your data that you randomly put in without any backing is on Glassdoor. So which is like, okay, they're kind of pushing for the number of submissions, but at the end of the day, is it really verified? Is it real data, right? And you have that kind of corrupted data and that's where people are like, oh, okay, I'm not sure how much I can trust. Yeah, so we're like, okay, maybe we should do something there. Yeah. So that was how we thought about it. Yeah,
0: but you know, I I think the tricky part, like you said, is like, I think a lot of people use Glassdoor, but it doesn't feel like it has all the best reviews, right? And honestly, it doesn't really feel like it's gotten a lot of attention or development or product improvements over time, right? So it does seem to be continuing to harvest in reviews, but it doesn't really seem to have any velocity in terms of product updates, right? And I think a big part of it, actually, from my perspective was I, I remember years ago, I found out that Glassdoor belonged to Indeed, right? And I was just like so shocked, right? Because I was like, Indeed is the hiring side and then Glassdoor I mean, also has jobs as well but it's about the review side right it kind of made me kind of very curious about how it all operates and links together what are your thoughts about that
1: okay so quickly actually Glassdoor got bought over by Recruit Holdings and indeed got bought over by Recruit Holdings last. so the, the biggest kind of like puppet player is, is really Recruit Holdings and then they try to kind of force some synergy in between right I think what According to some sources that I have, right, not too sure how accurate they will be, but when they look at Glassdoor, they were like, okay, retention is good. There's a lot of people going there to read. Engagement is high. Can we kind of like do something there, right? Whereas Indeed, is very kind of like touch and go. You come here looking for jobs, off you go. But actually, Indeed is 10 times bigger in Glassdoor, right? So one thing that is not yet kind of exactly proven is how can Glassdoor actually generate value for recruiting, right? So... I don't have enough sources to tell you that, but I think at the end of the day it's also intense, Right? So so for example, right? One, a user that goes to Indeed has a high intention to actually apply for a job. Whereas you Glassdoor, you look at the same number of users. Actually, they are higher up the funnel, right? Because they're there to kind of like read information. They're not exactly serious job applicants. They may be just considering, right? So per traffic, actually indeed is more valuable, right? Because they are closer to the money, so unless they can do something to kind of spin out and generate CVs or generate some sort of value for recruiting, I think it will always just be a content site, right? Where you play on ads, you play on some other model where you're like cost per view or something like a cost per impression or something like that. Yeah.
0: These are separate platforms, which makes sense, right? I mean, from their perspective is if you're a job applicant that's curious about it, you want to know Glassdoor reviews, right? Versus Indeed is very much geared at candidates, and but very much is geared at recruiters to kind of like put a transaction dollar in to get candidates through the door, right? So I think there's some argument that each website kind of goes for different things. and But I think they also work very hard to keep them arm's length, right, at brand, right? So it's, it's just not intuitive that they're linked in any form of fashion, right? And what we do know, for example, is that Glassdoor reviews are subject to review and monetization for the companies as well. You want to explain a little bit about what happens there?
1: Oh, monetization? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, it's very interesting. So if you look at Glassdoor, some of their main monetization kind of channels is like job ads, which is, I guess, jobs classified. It's very similar indeed, right? But one of the key ones is actually employer branding, right? When I talk about employer branding, I mean like charging some form of like fee subscription to give control to the employer to say reply to bad feedback. Having to cherry pick some of the reviews to pin at the top. I, I don't really consider that employer branding because I think of it as more as like brand defense, right? It's like kind of like someone holding a knife to, to, to your throat and like, you want to pay? Yeah. Can you do something there, right? And that has been their kind of main channel. But if you look deeper, right? Actually, job ads is super profitable. It's, it's a super good business, right? The problem actually is with the Glassdoor itself because you think about it, right? If you have a very bad branding on Glassdoor, would you even advertise on Glassdoor? You wouldn't, right? But you would do it on Indeed. So I think that was really one of their main struggles with Glassdoor. And that's why when you look at Indeed, like um, they actually have reviews, right? Indeed. Actually, they kind of partner with Glassdoor. So some of the reviews actually appear on Indeed, but it's not as visible. And it's by design, right? So you had to kind of click a few clicks in to see reviews. and But that's really the crux of it, right? Indeed know that the game is really employers first, pays... Indeed, therefore, they prioritize employers and make it like jobs first. Whereas Glassdoor is like candidate-centric, right? It's like, I want to show you the most real feedback. But employers hate it, and employers don't want to pay for it. And that's why I think that was one of the reasons why Indeed is 10 times bigger than Glassdoor. Yeah.
0: And what's interesting is that you took the opposite approach, right? Because you go to Noteflare, you know, you have consolidated all of them, right? They're all on the same portal in that sense. so. What's your design philosophy behind that?
1: So actually, I can't claim that we have it all figured out, right? But we were very clear and we did test this, right? So when we were part of the iterative accelerator program, we tried many things, including monetizing, using job ads and employer branding. And that was where we had like accelerated learnings about why people actually don't even want to pay. I think one of our clients actually told us like, why would you want to pay at where people talk shit at? So I'm like, actually, that makes a lot of sense, right? Which is why I also... Realize that that may not be the kind of the future of our our company. But I think that we, at the end of the day, I think we have to be very clear what business we are in, right? We are in the recruiting business. 100% currently of our revenue comes from executive search, which is a very consulting, best service kind of business, right? And the question is, how can we make it better, right? Grow it bigger, do it better than the incumbents who are very traditional. So actually, Noteflare our site, is kept quite separate from actually the recruiting business, right? So there's a team that's maybe look at how can we grow the traffic there, but eventually generate some form of value for the recruiting team. But not in in a sense where we monetize directly, like charge employers, cost for employer branding, or job ads. No, it's like, how can we get users what they want, which is salary data, and use it as a hook to get them to submit CVs, which then is a lead generation tool for our recruiting business. And we've seen parallel businesses that does this. One of them is Glintz. I think they did it very well where they get a ton of CVs from their site. They don't charge a single cent. They don't monetize on the platform yet, but they get a lot of value from the platform. And and at the end of the day, their core revenue stream is still services. Yeah.
0: And as you see this, obviously, it feels crowded, right? I mean, it feels like there's lots of different career approaches, right? And... There's all these different marketplaces, right? I mean, even in the US, they, they scrape, you know, has Google Jobs, right? They scrape everybody's par- carousels as well for their own search, right, for jobs. So where do you think it lands up? Where do you think the landscape will end up towards?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, interesting thing you talked about, like, what other companies are doing, well. Huh? To be clear, when we first started a company, we were running like a, I would say, traditional recruitment firm, but we did dabble with a lot of things. When, back then, when Hired.com was still a thing, right, where it's like tech, enable, talent, marketplace, basically charging the same fees as traditional firms, which is a very high, like say 20 to 25% of annual, but not doing the recruitment work, right, which is like, okay, recruit, like HR, you go and search yourself. I think it wasn't a very good outcome for them either. Though. So we tried that, it wasn't a very good outcome for us either. Yeah, so at least for me, I think operating in this space for a while, I do not believe that technology can replace the middleman. Because at the end of the day, right, I think if you see a lot of this kind of HR tech companies, what they are doing is like, oh, okay, we're going to be like AI powered, We're going to replace the middleman. I never believed in that. Because I really don't think that that's the way it works. Lah. Because at the end of the day, finding a, a job, it's very emotional. Yes, I think that there are some requirements on both sides. So for example, right, employers say, I want Node.js, I want skill set A, B, C, D. But actually, there are a ton of candidates that meet that requirement. But at the end of the day, when they pick, you can't really quantify that. Yeah, so a lot of this kind of AI is trying to like, oh, read the JD, read the profile. But actually, what happens is that 70 to 80% of the decision is made out of the CD, out of the JD, right? Yeah, so, so I do not believe in technology replacing the middleman, but I do believe that technology can make the, the middleman more successful, which is our approach and our strategy. And I've seen companies like AngelList, I think they rebranded or something like that. Well, well-found or something. Okay, anyway. But yeah, in the US is AngelList. In Southeast Asia, I think Blinz is a big player. I think they all taken this approach, and I think it's the right approach. Yeah.
0: During this time, how have you changed and evolved as a founder and leader?
1: Interesting question. Yeah, so, so I think for, I've been, when I first started the company in 2018, just being super vulnerable here, right? The company has been in the realm for close to five years, right? When we first started we a co-founder, we started like a recruiting business, right? But I think at the back of my mind, of our minds, is always like, we want to be a tech company. There was this startup dream. Like, and looking back, I kind of cringe a little bit because honestly, like, all I cared about was like, okay, we want to be a tech company. We want to be a founder of a tech company. What that means, we don't know, right? We don't know. We just wanted to run a tech company, be very successful to the eyes of I don't know, like people. We want to raise VC funds, and then the more seasoned founders, right? Like my ex boss and, and our many founders around blocks anyone who were kind enough and candid enough to tell you in your face, and like why didn't you raise VC money? I don't know. In my mind is like, I don't know lah. Then obviously on the surface I'll cook up some reason. Yeah. So so it's always like this. Journey with yourself and struggle, like like what what are you really building towards, right? I was not super clear, at least with my co-founder. A lot. And it was always like chasing this tech dream. But when we realise that at the end of the day, we just want to do something useful, we just wanna create value, we are, uh, we just wanna do something that can eventually win, then the approach is that, okay, we are actually a services business, but how can we use technology and make it better? How can we take more market share? What's well, our, our USP, right? And you realize that actually things are very simple. We're running a business. We're just trying to get as much market share. And I think that has helped me a lot uh, from being very jaded and naive to being more realistic. Yeah, and that is what I was say.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned there's a gap between who you are versus the founder that you wish you were, right? Can you share a little bit more about that?
1: I wouldn't say the founder I want to be. Though. I think I honestly came a long way, right? I think the one one big one is really being very naive, which is like having this startup dream. Like, oh, I want, I like I said, I want this tech. I want to run a tech company. Whatever that means, I don't know. I can't answer you, right? To evolving to being super clear about what you really want, what I really want at least. And just pursuing that relentlessly, I think, has been one of the key things that, makes me do what I do every day. One of the key things is all about team building. So I realized that, yes, I want to create impact. I want to build a, a meaningful company and make everyone win, investors, team, whatever, win, right? But I realized team building was a big part that yeah, I got a kind of a, like a revelation, right? So interestingly, my friends know me as that crazy guy, that funny guy, I, I, yeah, whatever, lah, right? This person that they know. But in office, right, I'm like super different. And it's kind of funny because it's like, why is that? Like, like, are you like living like a double life or something, right? So I always have this impression like as a founder, I needed this persona. I need to know this. I need to know that. I can't say I don't know. So there's this like persona that I try to kind of build towards. I read a lot and then I try to like build it up. But it becomes very unnatural. Though. Yeah, because I'm natural, become very different person. So my recent kind of like revelation is just as cliche as it sounds, right? It's just... Just be yourself. La. Just be genuinely yourself. And if people don't like it, they're a problem, la, right? It's okay, right? They don't join you, la, which is great. And, and then you build a team that loves you, that, that follows you for who you are. I think it's much more natural. I think a lot of this also contributed to insecurity. So for example, when we went out fundraising in 2019, 2020, we pitched about what we want to build. But people were like, this is not, I don't want to buy this. I don't want to invest in this because of reason A, B, C. Then I'll be like, oh, why, why is that the case? Maybe I need to tweak my business plan to what they want to see, right? And then you do this enough, you start building something that people want and not what you want. And that was exactly what happened, right? <laughs> Which is like, bad lah, right? Right. Yeah, You're trying to build something that you don't want, you wake up, you question what you build, what you doing, what you're building. So long story short, I would say is, just not being super clear about what I want in the early days, but now being super clear that has helped and being super genuine and just being honest with myself and being building a team around that will want to follow me in this journey has been one of the biggest revelations, I say, that has helped me a lot, even in my morale. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, I think there's a lot of truth, right? I mean, I think we're always projecting, right? I mean... We're at work and we want to be on top of it and we want to be a good manager and a good teammate, right? And personally myself, I always tell people it's like, hey, if you don't know how to be a good boss, just act like a good boss, right? And tell yourself, what would a good boss do? And then act like that person. And that's good enough because for the person's receiving it, like they only know what you say and what you do, right? So they don't know what's going on in your mind. And if you, you know, commit to actually acting like a good boss, then in effect you are a good boss, right? Because, you know, that's what is the actual consequence at the end of the day, right? But so, do you believe in
1: that. Like, like do you still believe in that?
0: I still do, actually. I, I just think that people want you to be a good boss and sometimes it's worth simulating what that looks like, right? And it's good for them, right? It's like, um, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Imagine if you're like at Starbucks, right? And then you're like, you're serving your barista and the other person is like, are you happy to give me a coffee? And I'll be like, no, <laughs> like I'd rather be somewhere else, right? I mean, I mean, that's bad, right? Because the transaction is that you sign up to be a Starbucks, to be a resta. The transaction is that you serve them coffee, right? Even if you're good mood, bad mode, you serve them the coffee, right? And sometimes I guess leading a team, the transaction at some level and performance review mode is, is don't be an asshole and be a good <laughs> boss, right? And you got to do it for one hour. Just do it for an hour, right? So, but I, mean, I, yeah.
1: but I disagree with that. That's the thing, right? I went through that because Yeah, like, I I always, like, I read so much, right, about, like, oh, what is it to be a great leader, right? This is the things you need to do, right? And then I personify that character that I kind of made out in my head and kind of, like, duct tape it with all the things I read, right? And then people can view it. They will be, like, unnatural. Like, even doing one-on-one, right, it's bad, lah. It's, like, they won't be honest with you, right? And then, Olivia was just talking to my colleague yesterday about, why do we even do one-on-ones? And I think a lot of people missed the point, right? Because for us, I was like, okay, come up with a one-on-one template, right? And then you just fill it up and make sure you have routine. But what is the outcome? Actually, we realize that at the end of the day, it's just outcome mantra. is just taking care of our people, right? We want people to say, I love my job. And that means three parts, right? One is say some form of career growth if that's what they're optimizing for and that's definitely a finance element let's not lie right so how can we make that have some financial breakthrough and last third one is I have a best friend at work I think these are the three main paths and how do we make people say I love my job and how can we as leaders grow them to the direction that they want that they will say hey joining Noteflare is the best ever design in my career it requires very genuine conversation. And it requires the the person on the other side to be super vulnerable, right? Saying like, actually, I really, really want to earn this amount. I want to grow to this level. I aspire to be a manager, a leader by this age. And having this template, sitting opposite someone, typing while they are talking about it and being this like, this persona or this leader or manager, they won't be as vulnerable and they won't share. And which is a problem also, which is why I feel like I realized that people can sense genuinity very well. And I think it's just a human thing. And I can sense it like, when people are not being genuine me. So yeah, I realized like, just be yourself. And then just tell them. Like, I think the heart for them, of course, you have to be like, you really have to love the team enough to like, I really want them to succeed. You want the company to be a blessing to them. Then of course, I think everything will guide. Like. But yeah, I tried being that manager, whatever that means, right? That image, right? it failed terribly. I, I have team that, like, left me. I have team that hates me. Like, so, like, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, that was, like, 2018 to 20, arguably even 2022. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, as a work in progress, right? And the truth is, in 10 years, you and I will be better managers because of experience. Yep. Which means that, as of today, we are the worst we have ever been in the next 10 years, right? And I, I think the crux of it, actually, I mean, the truth of the matter is that if you're a bad boss, it's better to be a boss with a script <laughs> because you get to a certain level of performance, right? But I think if you're already hit at a certain level of performance, you, it's really intrinsic in you. You feel comfortable. That's when I think you'll be more natural and relaxed, right? I think that's why we saw that. In, I don't know. We saw some of the research on teachers that are out there, right? They're like, if you're a terrible teacher, it's better for you to have a classroom script that you follow and your teaching outcomes are better once you hit a certain level of proficiency, then you can let go of the script, right? Fan. And you can be better, right? be more natural et yeah, So for you, you've mentioned a lot about kind of like looking up to founders, doing a lot of research. So who are your personal role models from your perspective?
1: Role models? Actually, it's not that far away, right? So I think the first one is actually my ex-boss, La, right? I worked with him for Henry, right? From Shopping. Uh, worked with him for one year. I worked my ass off there. I, I think he's very candid, a a little bit too candid at times. But I think when he gives you a feedback or his thoughts, you feel hurt, right? But when you think back one or two years later, right, you'll be like, why did I not heed that advice? Why is so? Why am I so stubborn, right? Yeah. So so I always kind of respected his. Just his focus, he's very focused on his execution, his ability to just really push people. Somehow he can really I don't know, sell you that dream. And I, I also had that dream myself, so I, I kinda know like what it means, right? So I always looked up to him to that. Another person is Sioura, right? I just feel I always whenever I, whenever I look at Sioura or you know, just interact with him and seeing how he interacts with his team, I always just have this one word, genuinity, right? I think he's one of the most genuine boss. Of course, I wouldn't know the ins and outs, right? But just from my kind of like quick judgment and, and seeing how he reacts and, and behaves around his team, I always found that he's a very genuine guy. And I, I told myself that I always wanted to build a team where with a bunch of people that I can be vulnerable with. Yeah, so I I, I learned a lot from his body language and everything and, and just um, yeah. Yeah. be much clearer on what we want to build.
0: And on that note, have, when have you personally been brave?
1: What we really say is the past. I mean, it's always a work in progress, but I think one of the bravest moments is really the decision to be the mental switch to be vulnerable with my team. To go to my team and say like, hey, I really don't know how to do this. Yeah. And just say like, hey, I'm scared. I'm really scared. <laughs> Why are you doing this? I'm scared. Like, and just and just be honest, right? And you'll be so surprised that people actually will like who really will look in the eye and like, yeah, hey, hey, I'm sorry, I I didn't thought that this will have this effect or whatever. And like, hey, can we try this together? So, and I think being brave is 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 and having the courage to say I don't know, right? It's, it's actually ironically very courageous, like I feel because it's not easy, right, to tell people like I don't know, I'm scared. It almost sounds like you're weak, but I actually feel that if you assemble the right team, when you are sort of weak in front of them and being honest with them, then more people want to help you. In fact, that is the irony, right? The more you say you don't know, I can't do this, the more people will come in and say, let me do this. And I think that has been the most amazing or the bravest thing I've done, which has served me very well. uh, Yeah.
0: I think a lot of folks Many folks struggle with that, right? Because they don't want to be vulnerable. They don't want to be honest. I think they rather just kind of like you said, channel the persona, right? Or the... So what are some of the trade-offs that you think happen when you are actually vulnerable and honest with people? Do people cheat you? Does it not work? How does it feel?
1: I'll let you know the answer in one year's time. (laughs) No, but I think I have early signs of that because... Not, it doesn't work for everyone. Let, let's be honest. Okay, I'll give an example, right? Cash in bank. Do you tell your team that? Okay, my answer is depends. To a certain group of people, you can. But the thing is, you can't count on certain people's maturity when it comes to, say, sharing such sensitive information. So I'll, I'll give you an example. If you have half a million in the bank, person A will interpret as, holy cow, that's a lot of money. Person B may interpret as this is a sinking ship. Some people will not follow up with questions, which is like, what's your burden? How much are we spending? Are we profitable? So half a million can be really very little or it could be like super good if it's like super profitable, right? So the thing is, some people are not candid enough or would not be curious enough to kind of poke holes or, or question deeper. They may just take it as face value and like, this is bad. I'm out. So it depends on the maturity of the team as well, right? Because you know, a common one, since you're talking about Glassdoor, right? People look at the reviews and take it at face value. Is it really true, though, that the company is that bad? We all know that there are some biases in the reviews, for example. Are you going to take it and accept that as a final? It can be a good conversation starter, but I think it cannot be taken as conclusion. Right? And same thing for this. When you're vulnerable, when I at least when I'm vulnerable with my team, what I expect is two-way, right? They should reciprocate in a certain degree or if they're uncomfortable, they tell me they're uncomfortable and then give me the chance to clarify certain things. For example, say cash in bank. But not everyone will be mature enough to do that, right? So I guess it really depends on the team you build. And that has been a big criteria for me right now. For anyone who wants to work with in NoteFlat and works with me directly, especially me, they have to be vulnerable. And, and, you know, it's a two-way street law. You
0: know, as you... Think through this, what are some of the books that you think are important that a founder should read or that you found that personally have been great or instrumental in your professional development?
1: So one of my favorite books, hey, one of the first few I sort of like startup or business books I read is The Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Hill right? I think it's a lot of people's favorites. I just love the hustle, right? But one of the things that really changed me was this book called, okay, if I'm not wrong, it's called Dead to Lead by Brene Brown. I think it has been a big part of our conversation today, which is the courage to to be vulnerable with your feelings. And really, ironically, when you say you don't know, I think people will respect you more. Again, it depends on the team you build. But at least that's my style. I, I think at the end of the day it's just how do you build a team around you that is your style and you're most comfortable with. And this happens to be my style. I guess I would just kind of continue that. Lah. But yeah, these two books I would say. Hard Thing About hot Things by Ben hurwitz and "Deadly" Elite by Brady Wrong.
0: If you could travel back in time to, let's say a time machine back to the time when you were the only person in the NOC program to not get an attachment, right? You step out your time machine and you got a coffee with your younger self. What advice would you give yourself? Okay, so first
1: of all, I, I really believe that like, things happen for a reason, uh, right? And it's always a journey, right? But honestly, one well, of the most accelerating things for me was getting a coach. Huh? <laughs> because I think, so I will literally tell my self, my hey, just get a coach, man. Like, it helps. Huh? Because I realized that a lot of the mistakes or the reason why no is is not growing as fast as I wish it could be in 2018 till now, I'm a firm believer that the business grows as fast as the founder grows. Right? And... I think a lot of the kind of bottlenecks or problems that we face was just because of me not being mature enough, not being clear with what I want. And I think that one way to really accelerate is to do self-reflection. Get a coach would be very helpful. At least that has helped me a lot. So yeah, get a coach. (laughs) Or do some self-reflection or journaling.
0: Thank you. So on that note, I'd love to kind of summarize the three big themes I got from this conversation. The first, of course, is I really enjoyed the discussion between and comparing Glassdoor, Indeed, and NoteFlare. So talking a little bit about journey from a job applicant or someone who's looking at reviews, but also looking at it from the recruiter perspective, some of the trade-offs around whether to advertise or whether to list a job or how to search for candidates. And I thought it was very interesting to hear about the explicit choices that NoteFlare made initially. And some of the changes that you made in order to pivot or kind of like add products, right? Including creating that more of that one-stop shop from the candidate perspective. But like you said, still focusing on recruiters as another target segment. The second, of course, is I really appreciate, I think, your reflections around what it means to project a founder persona. So the founder persona that you felt were really important to have or, or to Admire versus, I think the mechanisms that you had to try to channel it, right? And I think we had a little bit of a debate about when it's useful and when it's not useful, when you know you're capable enough to be natural, and when you require more of a script. Uh, and lastly, thank you so much for sharing about I think a consistent theme of vulnerable honesty, right? The 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 goal of being honest with people who want you to be honest and are okay with you being honest, but also accepting that there is vulnerability with that conversation. And as a result, you know, how much Dare to Lead has been a great book that has been a good catalyst for your own personal growth. I also love the phrase that you said about how the company grows as fast as the leader grows. And I thought your reflections around pushing for more executive coaching and personal self-awareness and growth is a really important lesson for many founders to take home.
1: Yeah, thanks for the summary.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We would also appreciate you leaving a rating or review. Head over to www.bravesea.com for member content, resources, and community. Stay well and stay brave.